A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Mark Watson. And I'm Michael Chakraverti. Welcome to Mankind. We talk to a fantastic range of guests about, well, masculinity. Where does it come from? What does it mean? And what is it? Basically. Every week we loosely... Very loosely. Sometimes very loosely talk about issues around maleness, gender identity, that sort of thing. What makes people people, really? Exactly. Hello, Mark Watson here. This is another one of the ones where I intro alone. It is my pleasure to announce that uh, this guest is called Chio. We had a very good conversation about all sorts of aspects of masculinity, which of course is what we do. The conversation was a long time ago now though, um, so I'm simply going to settle back. There's no Michael to talk to about, to spark off. So I'll just say thank you for joining us as ever on this Monday and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi there, Mark Watson here. I feel like for most of the history of mankind, we've sort of taken it in turns to to begin the podcast. But uh, Michael's recently been afflicted by nerves, performance anxiety. Some would say. Yeah, he keeps he keeps wanting me to do it. So if it feels like I'm opening a lot, it's only because you just need to play your way in a little bit, don't you? We're going to play with opening a lot, or we're going to leave that. You have already got a podcast where you do nothing but innuendo sure. these cool. days. And I know this is mostly innuendo. <laughs> but like. So yes, I'm here too. Hello, I'm Michael. But we also do have a guest here. We're not just going to sit and ramble between ourselves. We have the lovely Chio. Hello, Chio. Hi. Hello. Who, who, are, who are you? Yeah, what? How'd you get in? <laughs> <laughs> I told you I snuck in from Tottenham. I am a model, a dancer, a drag king, um, apparently an actor now. Professional hustler, I would say. Victim to capitalism. <laughs> um, yeah, all of the above. A fair whack to get into there. Really. <laughs> it's plenty, yeah. And a Tottenham tailgater on top of it all. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in apparently an actor. Did, did someone just suddenly tell you? Or I mean, yeah, I just suddenly, like, I have no acting experience, but now I'm at the Royal Court Theatre. So and how fun. many stars has that show got? It's got five. It's got five. And how many standing ovations has it had? Every single night. There we And go. was it written by a previous Mankind guest? It was, yes. Wow, look at that. Yeah, look at that. The circle's completing itself. Travis Alabanza wrote this play. It's really, really cool. God, I wish I could just show up without any acting experience, do it really well, get five stars. But then on the other hand, I don't want someone to tell me I'm a dentist or something. So it's, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll just twist or stick situation, isn't it? Uh, let's dive in with our first question, really. But, sorry, how old are you, by the way, oh. Joe? Because I'm always older than the guest, but you seem like you've got an awful lot of accomplishments and you're even younger yeah, in the flesh than you be. looked in your bio. Oh, is it? Yeah, I was because so. I'm not on testosterone. <laughs> it keeps me fresh. Um, I'm 26. Okay, I'll accept That's it. not too bad. No, it's all right. <laughs> four, yeah, you've had younger, younger guests. 
Yes, yes, just over four years younger and than me. And how many years younger than you? It's impossible for scientists to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thought to be turning 43 next week, but no one really knows ooh, it. That ooh. also won't be true by the time this goes out. I'm, yeah. I'm in the region of 40 still. The region of? Yes. <laughs> and how long are you going to hold on to the region? I'm in, I'm in my early 40s, but we, the clock is ticking on that early a bit. Early, <laughs> early is starting to do some lifting, as I believe the young people say. <laughs> anyway, Chio, you, you still have most of life ahead of you. We'll carry on. <laughs> we hope. You never we, know. Of course you never know. Of course you never, you never know. know. At time of recording, Chio has the most life <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so what do you think of when you think of masculinity? Like what comes to mind? Masculinity. I mean, the immediate is, you know, negative connotations mm -hmm. like toxicity, just men being gross. Um, but that obviously I'm a drag king, so I perform masculinity for a living. Yeah. And also I'm trans. So like I've in a way devoted my entire life to, to becoming toxic <laughs> yeah to becoming it's toxic. a work in progress yeah. um, that's why my crush? therapy bill is huge because <laughs> yeah. you actively hate what you have gone out in search of you know it's, a, it's the inner turmoil of being a man as you know, as you know. yeah you've got your um, therapist to be rubbing their hands listening to this I reckon <laughs> yeah what do you when you say toxicity like what do you like what does that mean like what do you see that as um I mean just the immediate, so like in masculinity, you think of toxicity, you think of patriarchy, you think of gross things like hashtag not all men. Yeah, when you said men being gross, you meant sort of conceptually, oh, rather yeah, than yeah, just yeah, like yeah. horrible to look at or smell. But that too, <laughs> well, that too sometimes, yeah. <laughs> not you though, you're so well turned out Thank you for noticing, thank you. It's just interesting because, uh, yeah, it's interesting what your relationship with those negative connotations is given that you're trans. Yeah, exactly. But that's not what I think masculinity is. Right. But okay. I think that's, that's what it's understood to. to be. And mm. I think there's loads of like reasons for that. And there's lots of empathy and understanding for that. But I do think masculinity is quite camp and fun mm. and quirky. And I think there's lots of vulnerability there that isn't tapped into. And that's why there's so much insecurity around men and da, da, da. Mm. So yeah, it's a complex one. <laughs> Where do you think your perception of that toxicity came from? Like, when do you kind of remember kind of going, wow, this is like a lot? <laughs> Just being surrounded by men my entire childhood. Like mm. I was always one of the boys. I was always playing football. I was always the only girl in situations. And also Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> ah, not, not a great example of a man. <laughs> No, unusual set of circumstances. <laughs> I just remember looking at him and being just so grossed out. Like, what the fuck? Can I swear? Yeah. Oh, you absolutely oh, can right. swear. Yeah, it's like, encouraged. What What is going on? Why is he so obnoxious and like in your face? And, I'm surprised uh, he hasn't come up yet, actually. Yeah, he, he does do a bit of a disservice to men in general, I think. He's quite insecure. Yeah. Isn't he? Oh, no, he wasn't the gay one in the film. That they put, they put like a... Yeah, it's the one that fancied Gaston, like sure. his little side thing. Sure, remember when Disney were like, oh, we're going to put a gay character in, and then like he just danced with a man for like two seconds. Yeah, but <laughs> not like, like that. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Happy now? You might get a black one soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Um, so you said you grew up around lots of boys and, and men in your life. Not Let's take Gaston out of the equation. Yeah. Um, what qualities did you see as masculine in them? Um... <laughs> What qualities did I see as masculine in them? That's a good question. Thank you. That is a Look really at that. Compliment my questions first. First in. I don't know if you know it here, but Michael loves compliments for his questions. <laughs> right. he, oh, his whole body I language I didn't even changes. write that one down. That just came out. Of your brain? Of oh, my brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was a sense of like entitlement. Mm. I can't really narrow it down to like sure. personality traits or like 
specific examples because there's so many in your childhood, but. Entitlement's a really interesting thing though, isn't it? That's it's that's the kind of, that's what I see when mm. I think of toxic masculinity. I see entitlement as the root cause. Like yeah. the root problem is entitlement. Yeah, and it's a very difficult problem to unpick because you can't sort of convince someone they're entitled because the ho- almost the whole problem is that, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. entitlement is not something you can perceive in yourself unless you have an unusual level of self-awareness. But then it also like, feeds that element of, of fear in men that they feel that they should be entitled to something and if they're not getting it and they're not achieving it they kind of have this kind of incessant need to to prove that they deserve it yeah if you're a cis man you grow up with an automatic level of entitlement whether you know it or not because most of the time we've talked about this before you are the regular person you're the default Mm. guy so yeah so much uh, well fear and bigotry and stuff comes from that sense that those entitlements are slipping away even though you didn't know how much you loved them in the first Mm. place were you you say you were like one of the boys at this point you presumably didn't actually feel like mm. you were a boy like how did that play out in your mind did you just think oh i like hanging out with boys or, or yeah. could you, did you sense something of what was in your future no i just really thought i was just a girl that was just amongst the boys like i knew that i was attracted to mm. to boys so like i knew like at that point because your knowledge of sexuality and gender is so limited even though I'm attracted to all genders now, at the time, I was like, I'm definitely attracted to men, so that must mean I must that I a am girl. a woman. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I am a heterosexual woman. Oh, I think we've I am a heterosexual woman. Miles off. <laughs> we've had trans guests, I think, who who have come to a gradual realisation like that, that the rules are just not what they grew up with. And we've also had people who basically always knew all along. It's interesting Ooh. for me how it plays out in people's heads. When did it kind of journey pop into your brain and go, oh, this is a possibility for me? Well, like in the later years of secondary school, I want to say about like 15 to 17, I started- We're like peak puberty time now. Peak puberty. <laughs> um, I was quite a popular girl in school. I was one of the bitches. I was definitely the like Regina George of my year group. <laughs> sure. Um, so I had many a boyfriend. But I started to have like a sexuality crisis, so to speak. Um, if I've read you saying you had a sexuality crisis and a gender crisis, yeah, sort of all rolled it's like into a one. Domino, yeah. exactly. You, I mean, yeah. you were like, like which dominant. minority can I have a crisis about? And tick, tick, tick. <laughs> 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 Triple threat. <laughs> That's a lot, though, for a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to get them all done in one. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Super crisis. So yeah, it started with my sexuality, and I remember being in school just before I left for uni, and just being like. I just don't want a label, like no labels, no labels, sexuality wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's then I went like to mid that mid two thousand tens, mid twenty tens. Just I think like, when this was in time, yeah, in terms of yeah, what yeah. Because I finished year eleven in twenty twelve. Yeah, so it's then, like mid twenty tens ish. Yeah. So like the media still hasn't really got much going on apart no, from maybe an eight storyline really. on Hollyoaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only a decade ago, but. It's, yeah, very, very different media landscape. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Quote, for the international listeners, they wouldn't know what that is. But basically, I think the whole world was similar. There's not really much out there in the world, in, in the media, in the press, mm. on the TV, mm. in the in books even that you're reading. So you're kind of doing all of this in a bit of a vacuum, which is hard. Yeah. Presumably there was stuff online that was there. That, that, like Communities must have been forming. Online. Yeah, but like you don't access, I don't, I don't know. Did you access them when you were that? I mean, it was all very limited and confusing. And then when I got to uni and the whole gender thing started, I remember just, 
I would see information on trans men, but it wasn't me. It would really put me off. I actually went through a whole phase where I just hated trans men. Like they really gave me the ick. I was convinced I wasn't one. Mm. I was actually quite transphobic. Because what you were, the image you were seeing of trans men was, it didn't line up with how you felt. No, I think I probably subconsciously just hated the idea of them because I didn't want to relate to it at mm -hmm. all. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. But when I was looking online and doing gender research and it was all very binary and it was all very like, there were really graphic images of just yeah. like different trans genitals and like there was so much information on testosterone and um, the idea of what a trans man looked like and they're all like white and ripped and mm. they would go on into being in like heterosexual relationships after and it just like put me off the whole thing. Like even now I'm, I've never been on T, I'm not on T. So mm. like I knew from the get go that that wasn't my transness. Mm. So it yeah. was hard to come to the conclusion that I was a trans man. Yeah, there seems to be even now quite a lot of focus on the like the medical side of mm. transness. Yeah, what, what the, like. the focus on trans people's genitals is like it's it's fascinating to me because I'm just not interested in anyone else's genitals really. Like, you are <laughs> well, uh, specific people's genitals right. for sure. You never stop in talking specific about situations. Okay, fine. <laughs> but like, if I'm in a bathroom, I'm not going. Hmm, I wonder what the person in the next cubicle's got between their legs. Like, it's just not. Where do you think that focus is? And you wouldn't say out loud, even if it did cross your mind. Well, no, I don't tend to talk in a toilet. Do you no. talk in a toilet? No, and it goes over badly if you start speculating about the person in the Do next you talk one. in toilets? Only when I'm cruising. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. sure. What, 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 what might you say? How does one like enter a cruising conversation? Yeah, give us a tutorial I, just in I've case we really, need I've it. I've never cruised, actually. I, I'm more I likely mean, to go on a real cruise than like... <laughs> I, did, I went on a cruise and did a bit of cruising, but that was mainly through the orange Facebook. It was mainly eye contact at first. Sure. And it's mainly noises rather than, because you don't really want to do too much talking. Do you want to give us like, yeah, a couple yeah. of sample noises. You don't say, for example. It's very small, very minimal. Men are slight very insecure. Eyebrow raise as well. <laughs> slight but very meaningful eyebrow raise. Yeah. I see. Yeah, that, I can sort of see that working. Whereas in my head, it's more a case of going, "Hey, up for a cruise?" And I can see how maybe and two. And you end up on P and O voyages. <laughs> yeah, which is a, you don't want to be stuck in one of those things. I'd almost rather have good sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, where, where do you think that focus has come from on that kind of that medical focus on people's genitals? I, I it's just gatekeeping, really. It's just mm. a way to. I think there's a lot of anger in the world towards parts of masculinity and parts of like what has become associated with being a man and people don't know how to tackle that and deal with that and deal with all the trauma that has come with that. So yeah. they've minimized trans people and they're attacking trans people based on genitals because it helps them gatekeep their understanding of what will keep them safe. Like mm -hmm. keeping a trans woman out of your bathroom is not going to stop a cis man from hurting you. No, he's not going to get a certificate. He's just going to open the door. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really good um, interview with Nicola Sturgeon about that actually, where she really mm -hmm. like, she's the only global leader. I think that's kind of taken a stand and said these words, but she tackles the argument head on and says, here is, here is the facts. Mm. You go sort that out yourself. Mm. Um, I wish I we could get Sturgeon on, but I suppose she is still running the country. Oh, well, you can ask. Yeah. You never know. You can always. She ask. might have a Saturday yeah. off. Yeah. Have a Saturday off and think. Oh, wish I was on the podcast. I think I'd be. I think I'd be really starstruck with Nicola Sturgeon. Oh, yeah. I think she's really. Impressive. I admire her. Yeah. One of the only MPs that I'd actually be like, oh my god. Yeah. Or the, or the one from what's the one from New Zealand who's just stepping down? Kim Jordan, Yeah. Yeah. And I love that she was just like, I'm really tired. I'm going to stop. Absolutely now. fair play. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's great. Yeah. I'd be tired if I was having to run a country. I mean, we're tired just being us. Well, I'm knackered right now. Um, <laughs> So, sorry, going back to your your thinking about transitioning and that kind of vibe, 
what then then did make you feel like what kind of opened the door to being like oh no i can transition and not be on testosterone i don't need to have surgeries i don't want to have like what made you kind of feel more open to that um i think my understanding of transness just started to gradually change with the times i dropped out of uni in 2016 and that's when i was like really having my gender identity crisis but that's also the time where like i met travis salabanza and i started to I mean travis opens the doors for so many people right yeah, travis is woven <laughs> with the history of this podcast they honestly. have changed lives they're the reason i changed my pronouns we're never more it's their fault one degree of separation <laughs> i blame travis, travis salabanza <laughs> I'm surprised I've still got my pronouns. <laughs> I can feel Travis lurking, ready to take him in. They're going to write one more play. That'll be you. Yes, that'll you're be, be ruined. I'll capitulate. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But you, your eyes are opened by these people. Yeah. People, discussions. I'm quite um, self-aware and like, I. Uh, sorry. I'm about to talk about how I like thinking a lot and then my brain just went blank. But like, <laughs> Wait, so we'll see about that. Very mentally stimulated. Yeah. So like. It only took me seeing the word non-binary once to, like, in my brain, completely deconstruct the idea of transness. Like, Amazing. I don't need to be spoon-fed stuff. But, yeah, fascinating. So. so just literally the word opened up a landscape of possibilities yeah. that weren't there until you Yeah, and just, like, word. aesthetics and just, yeah. like, seeing people who weren't tying themselves down to labels and, you know, having hairy legs and wearing skirts and... It's exciting, isn't it? it like is. it, it is really exciting that there's just like it opens the door to be free, mm. <laughs> really. And then you started doing drag in like twenty twenty ish. No, twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen, so around the same time. Yeah, around about the same time, I dropped out of uni to do drag, and obviously I was doing drag kinging, which is performing masculinity, and I hated it for a very long time. I hated being called a drag king. I hated being associated with masculinity. I just felt like. I had to do that kind of drag because there wasn't any other drag for me. So that drag at the time, were you kind of, were you, because we spoke to uh, Louis Cypher mm. and Louis mm. is kind of almost like celebrating a send up mm. masculinity in a sense. At that time though, were you kind of like reeling against it? Yeah, I really was. And I thought it was because I hated masculinity and mm. everything that it represented, but I didn't. I just hated misogyny and drag and uh, it felt like that was my only option. Good news, that's fixed now. Yeah, all sorted. <laughs> <laughs> we hear quite a bit about this, don't we? Uh, we've, yeah. we've, we've touched on it with almost every drag artist we've ever had on the podcast. And it was something that I was completely unaware of before, but especially the, the treatment of drag kings mm. away from drag queens. And this is something you've talked about quite a mm. bit, I think. Do you think it is changing? Um, or does the RuPaul, you know, that, that, does, that, does RuPaul and that culture have such a stranglehold on on the I, whole scene. I, yeah, I think it has a huge chokehold on just like queer culture in general. Mm -hmm. I think people, a lot of people think they are very liberal and, and diverse and radical, but they're not. And I think Drag Race has a, a large part and RuPaul has a large part of that. Because it offers a very specific version of... Yeah, and I do think that is changing. I don't think it's changing on a scale that it should be changing. And I think it's only changing because of drag kings themselves. Yeah. 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 Do you think, well, here's a question. Do you think. Mm, he's complimenting his own question. <laughs> I am so good at questions. He can't <laughs> wait to ask this. Look at I, his face. I completely agree. Like, I don't really watch Drag Race anymore because mm. it's just not the drag that I love. Like, I loved it back when, like up to like season eight, maybe tops. But then after that, it's. 
I kind of became aware of the cabaret scene and the actual mm. UK drag scene. And like, I feel quite sad and frustrated at Drag Race UK because while it's great to see my friends and people like mm. that succeeding, it it is also the, the advent of drag, drag Race UK and the fact that drag is then going quote unquote mainstream in the UK, mm. it's stifling the other drag that exists. So like the only drag tours that there are now are, well, not the only ones, but the big ones are when they come on and go, go cat, 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 cat. And then they do two numbers and then they're gone. And then yeah. that's that. And it's full <laughs> of straight women screaming. But the yeah. actual queer nights in the bars are much more inventive than that. They, well, they used to be, but they're closing. Yeah. Right. Because the money is going towards the Everything, drag race tours. Yeah, that is depressing. So my question therefore is, is there a way for any type of drag to go mainstream without stifling any other type of drag? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, it is a good question, right? Question. Worthy question. And, I led, yeah. and I led up to it quite nicely as well. I gave some context. Yeah. You contextualized, you laid it out very well. Yeah. And we're all just... You know what? Maybe I will enter the next guest. I think <laughs> you've got every right to back yourself. You, you know, you, you are, as I keep saying it, you're an accomplished podcast. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it, though? That there is, that it's the nature of mainstream is that it pushes other things kind mm. of the opposite. Yes, it normalizes some things at the expense of others. But like, for example, and I suppose it's not the same thing, is it? But there's room for massive mainstream rock bands, but there's still, there will always be a thriving fringe, ones, fringe music sure. scene. It, like indie, what we used to call indie, partly came up as a response to like, you know, massive, uh, rabidly heterosexual rock in the 80s. So like most art forms do develop like rebellious fringes as a result of that. So maybe in time, maybe in time, there'll be a, a counter backlash sort of thing. Yeah, what's your thought? <laughs> like, do you see a world in which drag as we know it, like in the UK, and also like drag kings and non-binary people and and women who are drag kings and mm. women who are drag queens. Is there a world in which they are going to be, do you think, could be celebrated on the same level as drag race or would you want them to be? I think all drag, maybe mainstream is not the word. Sure. I don't think it can all be mainstream and not lose like what makes it special. Mm -hmm. But I do think that drag can be a very successful, beautiful, well-compensated queer art form sure. that everyone respects if people like kill this idea of immense wealth. People aren't doing drag anymore because they want to be queer and punk and it's like subversive and authentic. They're doing it because they want a blue tick and 100,000 Instagram followers and an Amazon campaign. Yeah. So. That is a grim sentence. <laughs> but it's true. It's just the commercialization of it, isn't it? Oh, I, I, no, I don't disagree with it. It's just, it's very bleak to put it in those, like the idea of going into any creative endeavor because you want the Instagram followers is why it's obviously you're putting the cart before the horse, but yeah. What do you love about drag? Um, I love the rage in it. Mm. Uh, drag is full of rage. Like, are you kidding me? The history of drag, we all started these fucking misfits going like anti-establishment because people told us that we couldn't exist. And yeah. like, that's mm. still a core part of drag. Even like in the camp drag branches, like it, the problem is not like the commercialization of drag. You can do very palatable drag. You can do like cat, cat, cat and voguing, but just have personality and have character and like remember that rage that being queer as well. Yeah, have mm -hmm. something to say, right? Have something yeah. to express. Yeah, it's political. Yeah. yeah. And there can't be room for that many people on Instagram if there's no actual personality behind it. Like a blue tick, 100,000 followers mean almost nothing. And well, I've got a blue tick and you've probably got that many followers on Instagram. Mm. But like, they're not of any intrinsic value, those things. No, I 
recently have been coming off social media. We were talking before we started mm. recording about coming off Twitter and even Instagram, really, because it just all feels hollow, yeah. I think, really. Like, it's all fake and like, yes, it's lovely to get money every so often. You'll do bits and bobs here and there, but like, it's just not... I didn't even get money from Twitter. <laughs> I was doing it from the goodness of my heart. <laughs> but it's just not, it doesn't feel real to me anymore, really. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Going back to, so you started doing Drag 2016-ish, thereabouts. So what changed in terms of your drag from then to now? Like, how do you perform now rather than then? Well, physically, I've changed a lot. Like, I've had top surgery since then, which was, like, funded for and raised by, like, the queer community. Which was amazing. Yeah. I remember seeing that fundraiser going out, and that was real (laughs) cool. Yeah. And it's Um, amazing that the queer community does, sorry to interrupt you, but, like, the the fact that the queer community does what the NHS isn't doing I know it's amazing yeah, could you start doing some transplants and stuff as well <laughs> the, the backlog is quite significant you know? yeah. um, but like it's frustrating that they have to do it but the fact that we do is something cool sorry to object. yeah absolutely no you're completely correct yeah so physically I've changed a lot which had has actually changed the type of gigs that I get mm. I'm much more quote-unquote like palatable now to, to more audiences mm when I had boobs and it was easier to like read me as a woman I was less toned and I had longer hair straight girls they would be put off because they'd think I'm a lesbian or gay men wouldn't read me as a man so they'd be put off so like changing physically has helped in my drag it's helped elevate me because people are shallow <laughs> Has it changed your perception of yourself do you think like after the top surgery did you feel actually different about Oh my God. Yeah. I tapped into gender euphoria. So that's why I'm not mad about it. Mm. Like I'm very happy to be classified as sexy, (laughs) but it does mean that like my gigs now consist of stripping to a pop song and not like slam poetry, which is what I started doing. And do you miss that? Um, I think I miss the community feel of like being in those venues and, and being at like queer nights 
the like type of medium of art, not so much. Right. So slam poetry is an example of you, you, you kind of had to do that because like people, people that found that more digestible than if you tried to do more traditional type drag just because of the way you presented. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed like, it. There's not many walks but... of life where slam poetry is a more acceptable form of anything. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that being your way into anything. This misogyny that's yeah, rooted into drag. Is... Yeah, it's remarkable to me. No, no one should ever have to perform poetry. Yeah. Where do you think that misogyny kind of comes from? Well, in drag. Mm. Yeah, specifically in drag. Because drag is, has come from a queer mm. underground, mm. for lack of a better word. And so... It's, it's it's fascinating to me that minorities continue to try and police yeah. and oppress others. But mm. it comes up all the time in these yeah. conversations. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's patriarchy. Mm. It's patriarchy because even in the queer community, like, uh, like historically, lesbians and like women who are queers have always been looked over. And gay men, like there was always this like stigma about how gay men like act, react to vaginas, like growing up, mm. every single like queer content that I would digest, like being told this was for me because this is gay or this is queer. There'd be so many jokes about like how icky vaginas are or like how butch lesbians are and how disgusting they are. Mm. And like even um, drag queens being called fishy, like all of that language yeah. is inherent misogyny in yeah. the queer community. Yeah, that's horrendous. Um, that's why drag kings aren't popular because people assume that we're just lesbians and it's the gay men and like the LGBT community and that demographic, there is still so much misogyny that needs to be unlearned because of patriarchy. Right. Because at the end of the day, like you're still men, we're still men. So how was that experience being, because you've spoken quite openly about not having bottom surgery and you're quite happy with not having bottom surgery and you don't you don't want to and you're not on T as well. Like mm. how have you found that experience with gay and queer men and people? I mean, I didn't think it was too much of a big deal because like aesthetically, I mean, this shouldn't matter anyway, but right. aesthetically when people look at me, a lot of people assume that I am on T and I don't understand why anyone would wish like body dysmorphia on someone. Like right. I think people would be quite happy that I'm like content with aspects of my body. You might think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, did, I didn't actually think it was a big deal until I entered Vistagay UK and I was like not ashamed of those mm. facts. And then the backlash was like nuts and it was all... It was mainly gay men. It wasn't straight people. It was gay men Would and not the LGBT alliance. You could be a gay man yourself. The LGBT alliance is a, is a yeah, fucking it's, hate group. It's, it's nothing. It's an absolute gross. It's grotesque. I don't know whether Amer American or international listeners will know, but the LGBT alliance is focused on removing the T from the LGBTQ plus community. And they are they're the kind of the JK Rowlings of the world. Yeah. And they are absolutely abhorrent. Um, and it's really shit. I'm sorry that happened when you were competing, but also it was really cool that you were doing that because it was like <laughs> opening doors for people to be like, look, you can be who you want to be with the body that you want to have. And those things can match. And that's really amazing. Mm. Um, I, I wrote down earlier that you said that you shifted towards um, calling yourself pansexual or, or like, I don't know what the word you use at the moment, but kind of attracted to all genders. Yeah. Has that been associated with that kind of detachment of I must have this genital attached to this person? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for a long time, I also thought that I was a gay man. Um, and then I joined the Mr. Gay England group chat and I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. um, no, no. It... Mr. Gay England is very white and muscly normally, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were not impressed with me at all. Um, 
But yeah, I think I just I just realized I don't really care about genitals. It's people. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like I'm trans and I I do enjoy like a, a trans for trans relationship. I am. My friends call me the ethical chaser <laughs> because I am a big chaser, but I'm also trans, so it's okay. <laughs> ethical chaser. What a hook. I, I, I feel similar. The reason I asked the question was I stopped calling myself gay a while ago. And I was talking about this with my friends recently because I call myself queer now because I think it's much more inclusive. Like I'm not mm. really that interested. Well, I am interested again in specific genitals on specific people. I am interested, but like sometimes you make what they are. Yeah. <laughs> You've been known to make uh, sort of leading remarks about yeah, in yeah. Fact, just they're very subtle, but they are there. I had a friend going through my um, my dating apps recently, and they were just like, "I thought you only liked men," and I was like, "No, like I don't really mind." And like, well, you were making some remarks about Taylor Swift just before we began this. Well, yeah, who you didn't think was Taylor Swift? You thought she was Becky Hill. I just glanced at your phone. <laughs> to be fair, like, I, I keep, can't keep track of your multi-dimensional crush. Is my fault. <laughs> I'm an old straight guy. It's not really multidimensional, it's just anyone will have me, really. Uh, yeah, and Taylor, you haven't heard back from her, have you? Not yet. I have written many letters. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, will she ever devote an album to you? <laughs> well, that would be lovely. I think she's one of the few people I couldn't meet, actually, in real life, because I wouldn't want her to meet me. Yes, <laughs> you know I, I, mean? uh, I think it'd be yeah, daunting yeah, yeah. to meet Taylor Swift. Is there anyone yeah. that, you would like to, that you wouldn't like to meet because you don't want them to meet you? Or are you just, like, so confident that you're, like, you'd be, you'd be so lucky? I think I'd squirm in front of, like, an icon like Celine or, like, right. Dolly Parton. Right, Dolly, yeah. Dolly would be yeah. a, a, a... Oh, my God. I think if you walked Cher. in there, we'd all be a bit shy. Yeah, <laughs> I like how you've got through all of the queer icons as well. <laughs> Any more on the list for you there? <laughs> Dolly is maybe like episode 100 for us, eh? Yeah, well, we can try. We can always try. Start doing the work now. Sturgeon, Taylor Swift, Dolly, (laughs) and then we retire. I love that Sturgeon's on that list. Um, It feels almost possible, doesn't it? (laughs) She would just probably have to leave office first. I've got friends of friends who know her, so maybe we can... We'd go to Scotland. We'll we'll go to her. We'll we'll go to (laughs) I'm in Scotland half the time anyway. Another question we always ask people, which we haven't got to because we've been nattering nonsense. Uh, Well, not nonsense, very brilliant, eloquent words. Um, About good examples of masculinity. Who do you see in your life that you see as good examples? Ooh. People often do struggle with this with this question because a lot of the people we speak to haven't had very many positive. Mm. Um, yeah, no, fair, fair enough. I mean, especially if you're interviewing queers, fucking yeah. Do you know? It just might be quite controversial, but I think I think Will Smith is a of good. The a good um, <laughs> a Will, Smith, Will Smith of the slap um, is I think he's actually quite a remarkable example of masculinity mm-hmm. and like Will Smith like most of us grew up watching him in different aspects of his life playing different roles yeah. and obviously he's now become infamous for slapping Chris Rock which is we'd all like to do yeah <laughs> that was an interesting moment when you said off the slap I couldn't think what you meant for a bit because I've got so many other associations with yeah. I still yeah. don't think I'm yeah, yeah. a boxer but obviously that is uh, I, do, yeah. I do see what you're saying yeah. um, like the, the slap in itself is like a big act of aggression and like you can't speak of masculinity and and men and not talk about aggression so like there's an example of that but also will smith i don't know if you know this but they have like this show called like the red table with jada and they go on and they talk about like mental health and they talk about like their problems and i also just see him as like very vulnerable like he's not afraid to talk about stuff and yeah yeah he slapped chris rock what a dickhead maybe that was wrong but people make mistakes and like to be a man to be a cis man to be a straight man a and black man. a black man and talk about this these stuff 
And, you know... It was also a very real moment, wasn't it? There's, mm. there's so much... The Oscars and all things like that are so shrouded in uh, manufactured shit, fake sentiment. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a good idea to... to and I, I, was, I had an odd relationship with Instant because I flew to Australia, so I was off... Uh, off radar for like 17 hours and then you have one of those moments where you land and everyone in the world is talking about something that you don't understand like the twitter was 100% will smith everything was memes of people hitting each other i thought in, in the time i've been in the sky the world is fundamentally altered and it turned out it was just one man hitting another but man he... like but yeah I, I thought even though it was i'm sure the wrong thing to do it, there was something about it that's like yeah quintessentially male in the sense it's like oh, i shouldn't have done that i am an idiot it is interesting that, that sometimes like I think I even I just did it in that in that sentence when you said Will Smith and I immediately went to the slap. Mm. It, mistakes can kind of undermine a lot of like the actual good stuff mm. yeah. that you do, and that we as as people automatically go to, oh well, actually he's not a good person because he did X Y Z. Mm. But yeah, there's a, a old comedian's joke about like if you if you do if you die in a gig, people will always remember your failures more than your successes, and the joke is something like. No one looks at the guy and goes, oh, there's the guy that built all those bridges that didn't fall down. Mm. Like, it's, it's, it's the bridge, it's, that, it's did bridge that collapses. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think, though, I think it's also interesting that, like, I hadn't thought about that slap even for almost a year. It must have been in April or March. But uh, this, the, the, the provocation also came from, like, a cruel a joke. joke right? Yeah, I, the provocation was itself Ableist, quite masculine. misogynist joke. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that, that streak of roasting humor that goes all the way through the oscars and awards ceremonies and just that culture of like hey it's time to celebrate guess, showbiz guess, guess where like, roasting comes from uh yeah gays yeah <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know which form of yes, roasting you were referring to of the straight is taking something gay and ruining it <laughs> unless they are amy poehler and tina fey in which case it's okay yeah there are examples <laughs> of it being done artfully but yeah basically i suppose what i'm saying is although i did not exactly sympathize with will smith i also think there's a very disagreeable side of masculinity that you see in these, in the tradition of hosting something and just basically being rude about everyone's wife, career, hair. And then like, well, I hate that whole culture, basically. I find the Oscars almost unwatchable for, well, for loads of reasons, but not just the Oscars. Almost every time someone hosts something, and all their jokes just being an arsehole to everyone in the room. I sort of think, basically... You can just say Vicky Gervais if you want. He's only one example, though, although he is he particularly prides himself on it, I suppose. Yeah, basically what I'm saying is that, that I think this, the incident of the slap told you something not just about the male uh, urge to violence, but also about the male tendency to provoke violence. It was a very mm. male incident. What, yeah, what, did, what did Will do after? What? What happened? Did he... Um, I mean, he issued a public apology and he went on The Red Table, which is Jada's show, and mm. he was just, like, talking about it. But, like, I think he's a great example of masculinity, not only because of this aggression, because I don't think masculinity is aggressive. He is mm. a great dad. Yeah. He's been a yeah. public figure for decades now, and he's constantly talking about mental health and, like... and also Yeah, his, his self-awareness his... levels seem really high. When yes, and both his children are pansexual and non-binary and gender fluid, and they just... Make music and do what they do but people it's very easy to just be like that's the guy that's like that guy yeah for sure but, yeah and there's so much more to i'm it. certain that isn't what he'll be remembered for long term he's essentially an establishment cis straight man yeah who has negotiated the change into the new world yes with a couple of hiccups but has been able to yeah like, I think yeah he, cool we're doing this now he's an excellent <laughs> and he's even older than me i think yeah. so like it shows you what's possible yeah yeah, yeah. he handsome. might not be the greatest example of masculinity but i think he's the like a good one, a, a good one. Yeah. enjoyably yeah. flawed one as well flawed yeah. yeah yeah that leads us kind of into our final question which it does is about actually. building I, a person i knew you were going to say that yeah. i felt pleased first. it feels just right and <laughs> <laughs> um, we used to say building a man but like i we broadened it because actually 
I think people kind of struggled with the concept of building a man specifically uh-huh. um, because actually the qualities should be for everybody. So yeah, what, what three qualities would you build into a person for them to kind of exist in this world? Um, radical empathy. Ooh, radical. What makes that empathy radical? Because I feel like people, I think one of the biggest problems with humanity is even though it's understandable, everyone just does what, whatever's in their capacity mm-hmm. and everything comes to a limit. Mm-hmm. So like we empathize, don't go above and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Empathize with that homeless man. Might give him a pound, but like I could sit here and call someone and actually did, but we don't. You could find so. out what it's like living like that. Yeah, I think radical yeah. empathy. I like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but like the, the, the example's really a really good example. Like you give a pound, you're like, oh, done it then. Done. Yeah. Fixed or it. Or you even get people that sleep rough overnight to raise awareness and, mm. and believe that they've like put Done themselves it. in the shoes That's of a homeless person. But again, yeah, it's like hours. the next day. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's really smart. Thought, yeah, like, radical yeah. empathy means actually transforming the way you, you act as mm. a result of those lessons, mm-hmm. I suppose. That's yeah, it's very good. I think um, a sense of humour. I think we all have to laugh. That is very key to yeah. just getting through fucking life. You'd think so. <laughs> you really would think so. Um, and yeah, uh, we're coming back to rage, a bit of rage, because, you know, there's dickheads out there, Tories. Um, <laughs> and uh, to change the world, we gotta we got to hold on to, we got to remember that rage is important. Yeah, yeah. a lot of work, especially uh, thinking about men specifically, people try to suppress the rage. And it's not about, I think it's more about channeling it. Personally. Yeah. yeah. Like rage is always like a secondary, <laughs> anger is always a secondary emotion. So like if you're angry, like why are you angry? What's it about? Yeah. There's a way to communicate that. There's a way to find a solution. Mm. Yeah. And if you don't, then it becomes more and more toxic. Obviously. Toxic masculinity. And that's the, <laughs> that's the part of drag that's so exciting sometimes is the rage behind it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. there's a, the show that she was currently in, there's a, a real rage in it. And there's a moment partway through where, well, this will go out after the show's over so I can say, where they decide to kill RuPaul um, <laughs> as a cast. And um, the audience literally, I felt everyone just go, oh, fuck. Like, oh, fuck, what am I watching? And then they pull out this dummy with RuPaul's face on it and start, like, tearing off its head. And you're like, oh, my God, what is happening? The real RuPaul's got to be aware of this, surely. Like, we'll, we'll become I don't aware. Think the real RuPaul's aware of much, to be honest. That's not, um, no, they, they don't come across that way. But, like, it's No, the, some of the, like, some of the Ru girls came to watch the play and I doubt he even knows their name. <laughs> he won't, like, he won't. Yeah. But there was, a, there was the real, like, genuine sentiment in the room of, like, oh, my God, they're so angry. And, like, there was, like, it was a... A display of rage, which is completely justified. Maybe not the murder, but like the <laughs> <laughs> hastily backtracking. But, but like yeah. the the rage that was being displayed on stage made everyone feel really uncomfortable, and then they relaxed. Yeah, like there was a moment of oh god, and then there was a oh it's okay, we're fine, we're having a laugh. Like they aren't actually saying let's murder yeah. this person. It's a, it's a it's what Travis does. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> a, making people uncomfortable is good yeah. sometimes. Yeah, right? but it was, it. for me, it was the you saw the rage, and then there was a moment of everyone go, "Oh fuck!" And then there was a moment of everyone going, "Oh okay." Like and it's great. Like it's you need to let that. the rage out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah you've you, you got to address it. You need to release it. It yeah. was really cathartic in a way. It was really cool. Um, well, that's us. We're at the end. Yeah, I was going to say so. Less drag race, more drag rage is what we want. Oh, oh wow! But I nearly didn't say it. You can see how tense you were. Yeah, yeah. Well, I almost didn't commit, and yet here we are. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joe. That was if really. If you great. ever become a drag queen, that should be like your caption on your merch. Less drag it's race. Such a big if, I mean, you but you, you never know. Just give it. Do you want it? You can have that for <laughs> your merch. It's very on brand. Your drag career is more advanced than mine at this stage. Where can people find you, Chio? And follow you and support you. 
uh, I, on Instagram, not on Twitter, because Twitter is toxic. <laughs> at Prince Chio. That's spelled P-R-I-N-X. Chio. C-H-I-Y-O. You did the cruising noise in there I as did. well, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Always cruising. <laughs> If you catch Becky Hill at any point over the summer, you'll see me. <laughs> that, that's, uh, we'll put um, we'll put his uh, his stuff in the in the bio as well. Oh, thank you. Smashing! Thanks so much, Chio. Have a nice day. Thank you. That was Chio. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed it. More, if anything. Otherwise, it seems a bit pointless. Uh, Michael, of course, is once again not here, and so I'll take the opportunity to mention that I have a book coming out soon. I've mentioned this on various channels, but I don't think I've ever promoted it using the podcast before it's called mortification it's about disappointments setbacks self-esteem and what we learn from um, life's negative moments that kind of thing so it kind of touches on some of the same themes as mankind you might like it it comes out in august but if, if you don't sort of you don't need to tell me about it i'll just assume you liked it thank you for listening once again and thank you for allowing me to advertise my wares and uh, michael and i should he deign to join us We'll once again look forward to hearing you or you hearing us next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.